Welcome to Before They Change the World, where we explore the minds and ideas of inspiring individuals working on impactful projects before they change the world. This episode is hosted by me, Junu, and I will be interviewing Massimo Albarello, who is doing a master's in electrical engineering at ETH Zurich, but specializing in distributed systems and computer science. We discuss his project Omnia, a distributed system that can allow anyone to personalize their surroundings by removing the barrier to devices around us. I really enjoyed this conversation with Massimo on his bold and inspiring ideas and hope you do so as well. Welcome Massimo to Before They Change the World podcast. Thanks a lot. Excited <laughs> to be here. How are you doing? Really good. Really good. Thank good. you. Nice. Let me get straight into it. You have a project, Omnia. How do you say it? Omnia Network? Omnia IoT? Yes. Uh, that's actually still undecided. I like to call it Omnia, Omnia IoT, Omnia Network, but mm-hmm. still Omnia definitely don't know about the second word yet. <laughs> okay, let's call it Omnia then. You originally started this back in 2020, I believe. Yes, right? yes. And I think 2020 was the year in which we actually started working uh, mm-hmm. on it, doing the first experiments. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, something that I've been thinking about for even longer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always had this dream of mm-hmm. having devices that are part of the same thing, mm-hmm. kind of. And that's why we started working on Omnia, because we saw that uh, there were like things were aligning so that we could actually putting all these devices together into one entity basically mm-hmm. we found out that it wasn't as as easy as we thought it would be at the beginning and mm-hmm. indeed after two years we are still like in a experimentation phase and we yep. learned so much about so many things all right uh i think we missed something though uh can you explain briefly what omnia is about to the listeners yes so Basically, the the vision of Omnia is to create smart environments. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by smart environments is uh, physical environments where we live our daily lives that are as smart as the digital environments that we access uh, from our computers every day. So the the problem basically is that whenever you are online, Mm -hmm. let's just say Netflix or Amazon, or whatever other website. The content you see, or really just the whole experience is tailored to you, your preferences, and what that service was able to learn about you. Mm -hmm. Instead, in the physical space, offline, uh, nothing is is tailored to you, right? Mm -hmm. We we are now in this room, but Mm -hmm. the light is set as I don't like, for example, (laughs) in this case, I don't know about you but also the the temperature is not as i prefer mm-hmm. the the tv is there doing nothing while mm-hmm. i could i might want to uh, use it mm-hmm. in a super easy way to mm-hmm. share something that i want to show you for you and with omnia we want to change that we want to make the physical environment as mm-hmm. smart and personalized as the digital mm-hmm. uh, environment and the way to do that in our opinion, is through the use of IoT devices. Mm-hmm. So basically, IoT devices are either sensors or actuators mm-hmm. that are connected to the internet, mm-hmm. and uh, these enable us to, on one side, sense the environment mm-hmm. that the user, in this case us, 
uh, are in and understand the context that it's around us. Mm -hmm. And based on that and on the preferences that the system might learn about us, perform some modifications of the environment. You actually uh, applied for YC, uh, Y Combinator. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, on September 15th, you uploaded this video. What was the motivation behind that application? We felt, we felt we had figured out enough to apply to YC. Mm -hmm. We got rejected, of course, and now I understand why. I feel, I feel like we, we thought we had many pieces already uh, set up, already there to just take advantage of them and create something that would work. Mm -hmm. But we, in the in the process, we found out that there were so many things that weren't there yet and so many also uh, of the ideas we had in mind weren't weren't as clear as they as they should have been mm -hmm. so uh, we I think we applied because we didn't know how much stuff uh, we needed to figure figure out mm -hmm. and we spent the last two years basically trying to do that like reducing the uncertainty that two years ago was extremely high and now it's I would say a little less high. Uh, did you get like feedback from the YC? No they they don't give any feedbacks okay so they <laughs> they have this really weird excuse when they reject you mm -hmm. uh, they send you a, an email saying we don't give feedbacks mm -hmm. because it might be that we rejected you not because there was any problem with your idea uh, but maybe just because there were ideas that were better than yours and mm -hmm. so we take them we took them and rejected yours which I mean it's a nice way of saying we don't want to spend the time <laughs> giving you feedbacks <laughs> yeah Is, okay but uh, so after that you didn't uh, apply again or no no okay. no uh, that was yeah that was the only time we applied mm -hmm. and yeah, honestly, I don't even know what I would have done uh, if we were accepted, accepted because really back then we didn't know. We were just at the beginning of this experimentation phase and we knew nothing compared to what we know now. We had no clear idea of, of how to proceed. Of course, that's like you will never have everything perfect planned, right. perfectly planned and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But back then it was way not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so like looking back, you think that you are just too naive? Yes, um, yes, definitely. And yes. now you think you're a bit more prepared? Yes, but it, it helped a lot. I mean, just, just because we wanted to apply to, to YC, we mm -hmm. went through the startup school or at least watched all the videos, like mm -hmm. learned a lot about everything that is not just the technical development but also how to pitch your idea how to like set up a team how to all those things that mm -hmm. you you need to figure out in order to turn your project into uh, a company eventually right so it wasn't it wasn't wasted time for sure okay i was very fascinated by your pitch video on youtube which was uploaded on august 14th 2020 and it's really funny. I'll update a clip of it inside a podcast, I mean, if you allow it. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> uh, 
What was the motivation behind this video? I wouldn't call it a pitch video because <laughs> if you analyze it with like the metrics that you need to use in a pitch, it, it's like completely, completely wrong. I would just call it a video in which we explain what's the vision of Omnia and what we would like uh, to see in the world uh, thanks mm -hmm. to Omnia. Mm -hmm. And so the, the on on purpose we tried to make it fun, funny, actually. right? <laughs> uh, instead of focusing on hey, this is the problem, this is the market, this is all the other things that you would say in a normal video. Mm -hmm. So we just said, okay, how would the world look like in the future if Omnia is realized as we are trying to do now? Right. And that video was <laughs> a little sketch of how that would be <laughs> and here you have actually a cool demo actually you uploaded on the same day another video of a watch that yes you can like type terminal like commands into from a different like bedroom uh, living room uh, but i just like out of nerdy nerdiness i was wondering is it the actual linux terminal that was running or is it more like uh, just print out no that was that was just a, a fake Linux terminal, <laughs> uh, because we were with with that particular experiment, mm -hmm. we went way off. Like we thought that any device mm -hmm. should be just uh, an interface between the real world, the physical world, and the digital world. So, mm -hmm. like the applications or software that is running in the cloud or wherever else. And so we didn't want those devices to do anything besides acting as interfaces mm -hmm. with your services. Mm -hmm. And therefore, everything that you see in the little screen, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a program running on the device itself. It's mm -hmm. just, it's, it's actually like the, the video stream is being sent by a server oh. to that a particular screen okay and the reason is that if the the screen itself is not doing anything but receiving a stream and displaying it on the monitor mm -hmm. uh, if you want to switch from one screen to the other mm -hmm. you don't have to set up the two screens somehow to right. talk together right. you just redirect the screen the, the stream from the server mm -hmm. to the, the other three mm -hmm. screen mm -hmm. instead all right uh, so that was just uh, we tried to make our life the worst possible basically <laughs> by doing that because so you think it, that was uh, not a good product demo or no like we learned a lot from that mm -hmm. but definitely not a product <laughs> well but is I, I thought like this shows a clearly what you described as a world where you can actually use all the displays around your house yes but what is no, missing no, exactly it, it just wasn't the right way to do it I think okay. literally every little pixel that you saw that, mm -hmm. that you see mm -hmm. uh, in that in that screen mm -hmm. is sent from a server to that device mm -hmm. uh, which means that if you have real-time applications or actually not even real times e everything you have to send to that device mm -hmm. which if the bandwidth is not good enough means that you are gonna have a super bad uh, experience because everything is going to be delayed. You might be missing stuff, receive it right. uh, 
late. Well, so yeah, it's definitely not not the right way to go. So that implies that I guess you already have some sort of a thought into the solution to this problem. Yes. So we think there there has to be a balance now. We are not as extremist as we were <laughs> back then. Right. So we see we see the value of devices that can do something. Mm -hmm. This something, for example, could be just have, in the case of the, the screen that instead now we have at SPH, be powerful enough to run a browser mm -hmm. so that you don't have to actually uh, transmit everything from the, the server or actually not every single pixel from the server, mm -hmm. but you instead transmit the template of the web page that then the browser uh, compiles and, oh. and, and show you. Uh, that that reduces a lot the amount of information that you have to send from the server to the client, for example. All right. But for that, of course, you need more powerful devices because uh, the device, it's not just an interface anymore. It actually has to be a little computer in order to have a browser capable of displaying whatever template it's receiving from the server. Are you talking about OmniShare? Yes. So for viewers who are not aware, could you maybe explain like what OmniaShare is? Yes, OmniaShare is basically a really fancy HDMI cable <laughs> that works without the cable. Right. Uh, so basically we wanted, to, we wanted to show how easy it is to connect two devices that have never been configured uh, mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. to, to act, to, to work together. In this case, the two devices that we are talking about are the computer, your personal computer, and a monitor, mm -hmm. and or a screen, a projector, whatever. And instead of connecting your computer to the monitor with an HDMI cable, mm -hmm. uh, what happens is that the the monitor has a browser always open, mm -hmm. and this browser is displaying it's displaying our web page, which has a QR code, right, and on your computer, you can scan that QR code always from our web page, so you don't have to install anything. And that's mm -hmm. part of the reason why I said there's no need to do any configuration be be before. Mm -hmm. uh, you can just scan the QR code and have whatever you're viewing on your computer streamed directly to the monitor. Mm -hmm. And that way you could have, you know, whenever you have presentations like pitches one one after the other, like at SPH, we have wow. the, the really big screen and there are right. multiple people that have to show their slides one after the other. And maybe the pitch is a few minutes long and it takes mm -hmm. at least a few minutes just to set up yes. uh, everything because one needs an HDMI cable, the other one needs a Type-C cable right. or whatever. Yes. So with that, you just have the, the same screen at SPH displaying a QR code mm -hmm. and one person after the other that scans the QR code from their own computer mm -hmm. uh, share share their, their screen and once they are done they just close the connection the QR code appears again back on the screen and the next guy can can start sharing. Was that the motivation behind like to use it actually for like pitch events? Uh, that, that would be yes that would definitely be one of the applications that we had in mind. Now we are not planning to continue working on this particular thing. Could you explain why 
Mm -hmm. Yes. So with Omnia, basically, we want to create a, an operating system mm -hmm. of not of a single device like Android for your smartphone, mm -hmm. but an operating system of the network of devices. So basically, instead of managing the resources of the individual device, our operating system is managing the set of resources that are in the network. Let's do an analogy with the traditional today's computers, mm -hmm. no matter whether it's your personal computer or your smartphone. Mm -hmm. Your computer is basically composed of three main parts. Mm -hmm. One is the processor, mm -hmm. then there is the storage and memory, mm -hmm. and the third is the input and output peripherals. And so basically, the how it works is, in really simple terms, of mm -hmm. course, your programs or applications are stored in memory. Mm -hmm. Then there is the processor that runs these applications. Mm -hmm. And the input and output peripherals are there so that you can interact with that program, right? Right. What's the, the problem? Until 15, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, those applications were constrained by the resources of your computer or your phone. Today, however, there is, thanks to the cloud, uh, these applications are not bounded, at least uh, for computing power and storage, mm -hmm. by the processor and memory of your computer, but can actually have access to unlimited power, depending on how much right. you pay, but <laughs> right. theoretically unlimited. Right. And that's the reason why applications became much more powerful and capable and also useful to to the users, to, mm -hmm. to, to us. However, we believe that there is still one bottleneck mm -hmm. that, it's preventing, that it's preventing us to explore the space of possible applications, basically. Mm -hmm. And this bottleneck is given by the input and output peripherals. So mm -hmm. the third part of our simplified picture of a computer. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do, basically, is to do the same thing that the cloud did to processor and memory or storage, mm -hmm. uh, but with input and output peripherals. So that now applications are, thanks to the cloud, not constrained in computing power and storage, mm -hmm. but also not constrained to any particular device like right. the, touch, the touch screen of your phone, mm -hmm. and instead can access any screen or just in general, any IoT device, so any mm -hmm. sensor, any actuator, and this way they're gonna use all these devices to modify the observe and modify the environment we are in. Mm -hmm. uh, and where does the operating system comes into play? Mm -hmm. Again, back in the traditional computer, the operating system is what is what uh, manages the resources, which are the processor, memory, and input output peripherals. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, as they are all on one device, the operating system is running on that device and it's managing those uh, resources. Mm -hmm. In our case, uh, the processor and memory are up in the cloud mm -hmm. and the input and output peripherals are anywhere, like mm -hmm. any uh, any IoT device is one of the peripherals of our computer in, in the analogy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our operating system is, our role is to make sure that Omnia makes 
those devices mm -hmm. um, enables those devices to be used as if they were part of the same system, like mm -hmm. if they were part of the same computer. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, we call it an operating system. What this operating system does is basically abstracts away the complexity mm -hmm. uh, of managing all these different devices so that then applications that are built on top of the operating system can use uh, possibly any device right. as if they were all part of mm -hmm. one entity. And that's right. what we were talking about at the beginning. And in this picture, the screen sharing is just one possible application mm -hmm. that can be run when you have a computer, your, your personal computer on one side mm -hmm. and a monitor on the other side. Right. But of course, many other applications can be run and mm -hmm. we now want to focus on the actual operating system that enables all these kind, kinds of applications. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example of some other applications that, that we have in mind. Again, these, these are all applications that use data from the physical space the user is in mm -hmm. to understand the context mm -hmm. and decide what to modify of the environment. Mm -hmm. And so in the, context, in the context of SPH or any other co-working space, uh, these applications would be the ones that when you arrive at your desk, mm -hmm. uh, set the light that is on like right on top of your le or of the desk you're working on mm -hmm. uh, exactly as you want. Mm -hmm. It uh, sends whatever you are working on on your computer to the monitor that it's where you're sitting. Mm -hmm. It adjusts the height of the table according to your preferences, of course, if the table is one of those movable ones. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, these are all applications that we would like to enable, mm -hmm. uh, but we are not planning to uh, develop these applications ourselves. We want mm -hmm. to focus on the uh, platform that enables these kind of applications mm -hmm. and then partner with developers that want to experiment with all kinds of IoT devices and, and develop new kinds of applications that right now are possible but mm -hmm. are constrained like they can only be uh, run in certain environments like mm -hmm. your home like the smart home but one of the reasons why there is the smart home and there is no smart co-working space or whatever other mm -hmm. environment in my opinion is because at in your house you can you can afford to set everything up before and once everything is set up, then you can run the application. But in other environments, especially shared environments, mm -hmm. uh, the set of devices that are available are not always the same. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you need, you, you cannot afford to pre-configure pre all the devices mm -hmm. uh, because they're not always there and not always the same, right? So you need something that offers the same benefits as your smart home mm -hmm. uh, without needing to set everything up beforehand. So you mean you are preparing to create a platform or you're right now actually creating a platform to enable these specific cases such as chairs, tables or yes. whatever. Uh, yeah, actually whatever developers can imagine, mm -hmm. uh, we want to, we just want to offer developers 
and the applications that they write, mm -hmm. uh, the possibility to take advantage of any IoT device that is mm -hmm. available. Is and there any like similar product right now that does this? I mean, it's it's at the end really similar to what smart home ecosystems like Google or Amazon uh, mm -hmm. do in the sense that once you have configured your IoT devices that you have at home with uh, Google Home or Amazon Alexa or whatever, then you can run, they're called usually automations mm -hmm. that based on the state of some sensor, the, the measured value of some sensor, mm -hmm. do something with an, an actuator, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but in order to make this work, you need to first have all the devices part of the same ecosystem mm -hmm. and also you need to set everything up beforehand mm -hmm. you cannot you cannot like if you have your applications that you always use at home mm -hmm. uh, whenever you are at SPH you cannot run those right. applications anymore even if the, the, the same devices are there mm -hmm. what we want to do is basically enable you to run your applications wherever it's possible and that means wherever there are the devices mm -hmm. necessary for those applications to run mm -hmm. and in that picture we are the ones that tell the applications what devices are close to you so mm -hmm. that then the applications can can access them and perform their, their perform their function Got it. So it's way uh, more generic than just Google. I don't even know their name. Apple. Yeah, it, it's oh. the, the idea is to apply it to places where you are not in control of the IoT devices. Mm -hmm. So when you are at SPH, the devices that are there are not owned by you, right? It's not mm -hmm. your house. And yet, if you are there, why couldn't you use some of them? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you need to. Uh, SPH has to be clear on the policies, mm -hmm. the access policies that right. uh, they uh, want to set, mm -hmm. because some devices that they they might not want everybody to to have access to. But right. for many others, like the lights, the monitors, or yeah, whatever the the table, if mm -hmm. they're adjustable, uh, they might be. Uh, accessible to the people there even if these devices are not owned by them right mm -hmm. and there is not such such a thing for the traditional smart home ecosystems because mm -hmm. they're the 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 hypothesis is that the home is yours and you are the, basically the only one in charge right. of controlling mm -hmm. the the environment as you wish mm -hmm. You're doing masters in electrical engineering, exactly. Right? But you are doing more research and courses in computer science. Yes. How did that come to be? So I, during my bachelor, I studied electronics, mm -hmm. and in particular, I was really passionate about analog electronics. Mm -hmm. And I came to ETH in 2020, thinking that I would continue my studies in analog electronics in particular. Mm -hmm. And I was so sure uh, about that because I've actually been into electronics since middle school. Mm -hmm. during, during my high school, I went to a technical high school in which I was already studying electronics. Mm -hmm. So I was, since, since I was little, I knew that 
electronics would be my thing, right? Mm -hmm. And came to ETH thinking that that would be my path. Mm -hmm. And actually, a few weeks in, mm -hmm. I don't remember if the second week already, mm -hmm. I realized or actually not realized, uh, but decided mm -hmm. that electronics wasn't my thing anymore. I, I still loved electronics and analog electronics in particular, mm -hmm. but I couldn't see myself as an uh, integrated circuit designer. Uh, mm -hmm. I see designer as the person that designs the little black chips right. that, you, that you see on the motherboard of your computer, for example. You never um, even get to see usually. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't see myself doing that for my whole life, mm -hmm. even though I really liked studying electronics. Mm -hmm. And for a while, back in 2020, I had been uh, interested in blockchain. Mm -hmm. And also, I noticed that during my spare time, I wasn't like reading about electronic circuits or designing electronic circuits, I was programming or studying blockchain related mm -hmm. uh, stuff. And, and so that, that made me think maybe this blockchain stuff is what I should do. Mm -hmm. And luckily uh, here at ETH I had the opportunity to just switch uh, all the courses I was taking, which were uh, in the first week, like all about analog electronics mm -hmm. uh, without any problems. Mm. And I took this course called Distributed Systems that, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that much about distributed systems. Uh, I just knew that it was, it looked, it sounded interesting mm -hmm. uh, and it was something that I would like to uh, know more. And thanks to that course, I found out that I was really into these this topics. And after that, I basically switched completely my area of focus. And mm -hmm. in during my master, I yeah didn't definitely didn't do any courses related to electronics. Mm -hmm. And all the courses I took were more like about distributed systems, networking, algorithms in general, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, which is more on the computer science side. Is that distributed systems uh, lecture that you uh, were attending the same lab, the professor, the same lab that yes. you're writing bachelor thesis? At? Yes, oh. exactly. Uh, at the end, I ended up following all uh, the classes it teaches mm -hmm. and others that were not offered in my master, uh, mm -hmm. but I could is my tutor and he told me that it would be okay for me to follow courses from the CS master as they were oh, still related. Oh, he was related. your tutor? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. I mean, tutor doesn't mean much at, at ETH. It sounds like it's somebody that <laughs> follows you, but at the end, I mean, it's somebody that I just go to ask Wait. for course related. But ETH advices. assigns you the tutor, right? You get to, in my master at least, I don't know how it works for other masters. In, in the electrical engineering master, you have a list of okay. professors and you have to choose one oh. as your tutor. Got it. Uh, and this is the person you go to whenever you have you are unsure about which courses to take mm -hmm. or yeah, just career right. career advice around university topics, of course. Mm -hmm. And he was okay with me taking other courses not offered in master, uh, but related to what I wanted to study, which was distributed systems. Which stuff. was his field? 
Which was his skill, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's and such so, a nice combination. Yes, exactly. It, it worked out pretty well, yeah. Wow, and, and you did it basically on the first semester of your master's, you switched to computer science courses. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm still in the electrical engineering master. <laughs> I didn't want to, if I had to switch mm -hmm. uh, to computer science, I would have had to wait one, one year right. uh, because I would have had to reapply. Mm -hmm. And so I just took advantage of the fact that I could take whatever course I want mm -hmm. to just take the courses I wanted without switching master. So yeah, the, the, first, the first semester I was like, kind of, I, I didn't know basically anything about computer science besides... Oh, wow, really? Yes. I mean, I, I've, I've been programming uh, for years, mm -hmm. but like in a really childlike way, you know, mm -hmm. just looking at videos on YouTube, understanding 10% mm -hmm. of what they say, copying, copying most of the code and like, I, I had a, f I, I knew how to code, mm -hmm. but I didn't know like that there was a science behind. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I found out why it's called computer science instead oh, of just okay. programming. Okay. I didn't know that there was this huge area uh, mm. of science behind computers. And so I was at, at the really beginning, I didn't know anything about algorithms, anything about distributed systems for sure, besides the, the few things that I uh, read by myself be before. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in the first semester I took uh, just free courses, I think, mm -hmm. because I wasn't 100% sure yet that I would switch to more CS-related topics. But after the first semester, and I think especially because of this uh, course, mm -hmm. I, I was sure that that was my path. What did you like so much about distributed systems? Mm, I think the way of thinking, the way of thinking about a system as composed of many entities in a really abstract way that just follow a set of rules mm -hmm. and none of the entities have uh, the whole, the, the view on the whole system. Mm -hmm. And yet by following this set of rules, it can, they can achieve uh, some behavior mm -hmm. uh, on the, on, they can make the whole system achieve some predefined uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way of reasoning and the logic that was involved in, mm -hmm. in this uh, field. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that, that I think is the, the reason why I liked it so much. Because you're technically right now doing distributed systems. I mean, Omnia is distributed systems, right? It's IoT. Yes, it's, it's, I mean, there are, distributed systems is a really broad term, mm -hmm. I think. Yes, the web is a distributed system. The internet is a distributed system. Mm -hmm. A network of IoT devices is a distributed systems, uh, system. But I wouldn't say that Omnia, it's like that what I learned in, in the in the many courses that I took about this this topic mm -hmm. is not exactly what I'm using uh, mm -hmm. for Omnia. Okay. Uh, but it's definitely at least not for now. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely knowledge that enabled me to understand better how things fit and gave me a lot of background to understand 
other systems like the web or blockchain mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. yeah any any kind of algorithm that it's run on on a network of computers or, or devices what is the optimistic or the future that you envision that Omnia would create in 10, five years? I don't know how much time frame you're thinking about. Yes. Could you give a clue on to ideal future? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the vision is to have, no matter where I go, mm -hmm. everything set up exactly as I want mm -hmm. and have in uh, being in an environment which knows what my preferences are and adjusts itself to my preferences, mm -hmm. but it also knows my needs for mm -hmm. that particular time so that it can anticipate my needs. And I don't know, for example, if it if the system knows that I will have a meeting mm -hmm. somewhere in Zurich in an hour, mm -hmm. 15 minutes before I have to leave, it mm -hmm. could order a self-driving car, which mm -hmm. automatically arrives wherever I am and mm -hmm. somehow <laughs> notifies me so that I just go out, the self-driving car is there, it already knows where I have to go, so it just drives me there. Mm -hmm. uh, I arrive at the place where I have the meeting and I might be presenting uh, my, or might be pitching in front of investors, for example. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I walk in the room, there is the projector or the screen. Mm -hmm. And as it knows that I have to present that particular uh, like my pitch deck, right. the the pitch deck appears automatically on the screen and mm -hmm. maybe also the light is set exactly as I want or maybe even better exactly as the investors want oh. in this case. <laughs> that would be important. Um, <laughs> this, this is the, the kind of smart environments that we would like to enable. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's like a, a long way uh, to get there. But to do that, I guess you would have to be Google in a sense that everyone is using it and yes exactly customer. yes but no in the sense that mm. we don't want to be the next Google in the sense that if these environments were real it would mean that the the system enabling enabling this kind of environments would know absolutely everything about you right mm -hmm. and it's not thinkable that people would give such a system mm -hmm. all access to all their all that knowledge right, right about themselves and so i think in order to make something like this possible it's it, it cannot be top down it has to be something that grows from the bottom up mm -hmm. uh, so basically we are not in control of any data that is recorded about you mm -hmm. uh, we actually don't know that much about you we just enable whatever application you want to run to have access to the devices that mm -hmm. that application needs. But for the rest, we are transparent and are not like the gatekeepers like Google is. Mm -hmm. So you and Luca, uh, to mention Luca, he's uh, your co-founder of Omnia. Yes. Right. Uh, you are friends since high school. No, we are friends. We met the first year of university during mm -hmm. our bachelor mm -hmm. and yeah, we became friends quite quickly. We realized that we had many passions in common and mm -hmm. like working on projects was uh, one of them. Mm -hmm. So we, we started working on projects together. We did multiple mm -hmm. and yeah, I've worked with him since then. 
And you were both in the same major? Same age, yes. No, same major, like we're studying the same major. Thing? Sorry, no, we met in a class mm -hmm. that we had in common, mm -hmm. but I was studying electronics engineering. You were studying control engineering. Oh, yes, got it. And so we have two different backgrounds. What what kind of course was it then? I think intro to programming, like where you learn the basic computer architecture and okay. C. Yeah. Uh, yes, that was the class. And did you just hit it off like from the class? Like you just knew that he was a good partner? No, no, no. Actually, yeah. it was super random. Mm -hmm. I remember we were sitting one, like he was sitting in front of me at, mm -hmm. during the break mm -hmm. and I was having some conversation about diamonds. I don't even remember why. <laughs> okay. And he turned around and he said, a diamond is not forever, <laughs> but a theorem is. And that was, uh, and he was citing a TED talk that he watched. <laughs> and so okay. I, he, he told me about this TED talk and I watched it and was actually a really good TED talk. Uh, TED talk. And so the, the day after or something like that, I went back to, to him and started talking about this. And from there, like, our friendship started. And it was just yeah. this mathematician uh, talking about his love for mathematics. And yeah, it was just a really nice talk. I don't remember okay. what, what's the name, but it's, it's definitely worth watching. I'll, I'll look for it afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll uh, put it in the link in case anyone's interested. But. Right, I guess then, I mean, that's really not a uh, usual case where you become friends with yes. such <laughs> quotes. Yes, that was totally random and like, yeah. without, if I hadn't, if I didn't say that word, probably mm -hmm. we would have never met, right? Right. And if he also didn't interrupt my conversation that I was having with another friend, mm -hmm. we would have never met. So that was quite random, but, right. but it was really, really nice that it happened. <laughs> Well, well, I guess since you talked about the ideal future, I would like to know what's your near uh, six month to one year time frame goal of Omnia that you would like to achieve. Yes. Could you tell us about that? Yes. So in the really short term, what we are doing now is uh, experimenting with Matter, which is a standard for IoT devices that just came out actually two weeks ago. Oh, so wow. it's exciting because finally the IoT industry, mm -hmm. which has always been super fragmented mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that every ecosystem was using a different application layer protocol and that's why uh, devices from different manufacturers or from different ecosystems could not talk mm -hmm. together. So finally the industry has decided uh, to use one single standard mm -hmm. uh, to make all devices interoperable mm -hmm. and that's like uh, great news for us because it solves one of the biggest problems we had we mm -hmm. were facing mm -hmm. uh, which is okay how do we make sure that all devices in the world possibly mm -hmm. uh, speak our language like right. our protocol who are we to to tell all the devices manufacturers to use our protocols. Mm -hmm. The answer is we are no one, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it would have never worked, mm -hmm. I think, um, or it would have been like 
super hard there mm-hmm. we, we would have had to find a really good motivation for all device manufacturers to do that and in, instead the industry somehow uh, agreed that that was the right way to go to create one single standard that all IoT devices use so that then we can take advantage we know the language that any IoT device is talking mm-hmm. and therefore we know how to interact with any device even though we haven't we haven't configured our system to talk with that particular device mm-hmm. so what's uh, what what would be your goal uh, to integrate this into yes so basically the 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 standard is really new mm-hmm. so what we're doing right now is playing around with it and see mm-hmm. what what is actually possible mm-hmm. because the promise is really good but of course we have to see what's what's needed in practice, what, what's actually possible in practice. Mm-hmm. We are planning to figure that out in a matter of a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And once that is done, we're uh, actually starting to, we, we want to start forming a community around the project mm-hmm. and have people, find people that are passionate about what we're doing that mm-hmm. develop, start developing the applications that we were talking about Mm -hmm. but also like help us figure out Mm -hmm. uh, many of the challenges that we will face Mm -hmm. and again we we want to be bottom-up so it's not going to be us working uh, for for them or like creating something in a vacuum it's going to be us and the community uh, figuring out what's the best path to reach the the vision that we are after. Regarding the OS operating system you mentioned, I guess that'll have to be in place for users to use your service, right? And how's the progress in the operating system? How would this actually look like? Is it a server that's running, like processing commands from all the different devices? Yes, exactly. So uh, basically it's going to be a service running in the cloud Mm -hmm. that knows all the devices that are connected uh, to our system and also knows what are the devices that are around you mm-hmm. when you are in a particular, in, in, that are around you in the space that you are currently at. So mm-hmm. the way it would work basically is, let's take SPH for example, yep. you go to SPH and you somehow identify yourself to our system, mm-hmm. just maybe by scanning a QR code, mm-hmm. that tells us that you are at SPH. Mm-hmm. And because the devices, the, the devices at SPH are connected to our system, mm-hmm. we know what are the devices that are around you in that particular time. Right. And through these devices, we can understand mm-hmm. what's around you, the context you're in, mm-hmm. And based on them, we can suggest you some applications Mm -hmm. uh, that can be run Mm -hmm. in order to share your screen on the the monitor you are sitting uh, close to or set the light according to your preferences Mm -hmm. or all the other kinds of applications that that might be developed. So is that something that you are currently building or something that you have in plan to build? Yes, it's, it's, I mean, it's something, it's what we have been trying to build for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we, we haven't made much progress uh, in one sense because we 
explored a lot. Mm -hmm. So we were we weren't going always in the same same direction. We were more like randomly, all, not randomly, <laughs> mm -hmm. but almost randomly exploring the space and mm -hmm. see what are the different technologies that we might use in order to realize this thing. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, we didn't. Um, we don't have much yet, mm -hmm. but in from the other point of view, we have explored a lot, and we now are at the stage in which we know what the first steps are. And Matter is definitely one of the enablers mm -hmm. of our project, because with this we don't have to, again, worry about uh, the devices talking the same language. Right. But this is basically given. Mm -hmm. And so now we can actually focus on developing the service, uh, the cloud service, which allows the applications uh, to interact with the devices. Got it. Wow, it sounds like a pretty tough, tough thing to actually implement. And but I guess since you are searching for users. I mean, they'll help you and give you feedback and help you develop this together. Exactly, yes. In, in this case, our, our users, for, for the beginning, the, our users are going to be developers in the sense that mm -hmm. we are not planning to have this uh, working for ordinary people, let's say, mm -hmm. or people that are not actively building on it mm -hmm. uh, for, I don't know how long, but definitely not for the short term. Mm -hmm. So for the short term, we really want to create a community of mostly developers or just people passionate about IoT mm -hmm. that would like to uh, test what's possible uh, once all devices, all IoT devices are acting as if they were different peripherals of right. one single computer. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the kind of people we, we are looking for. We are mm -hmm. looking for people that have dreams of what the or actually that would like to explore the space of possible applications mm -hmm. and are ready to help us doing that. And just, just an example of why I believe the, this space of possible application is much bigger than what we have explored so far mm -hmm. is the difference between the, kinds, uh, the kind of applications that we could use mm -hmm. with back with the Nokias of like, 15 years ago, the Nokia mm -hmm. phones, mm -hmm. uh, compared to the applications that we can now run on our smartphones. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, what changed uh, is definitely the computing power and storage or memory capabilities of the, the devices. But also what changed was the ways we interact with, mm -hmm. that, with, with those applications. Mm -hmm. So of course, the smartphone is much more powerful than the Nokia, mm -hmm. but also it has instead of a tiny screen and a keyboard, mm -hmm. it has a slightly bigger screen and a touchpad. And mm -hmm. that enables enabled us to interact with the applications in a way that wasn't possible before, right? right? And that was, and in, in our opinion, that's one of the key reasons also why instead of just being able to run the Snake or Pong mm -hmm. application, I don't know if you ever played with them, but they were like the classical applications yep. that were running on mm -hmm. the Nokias. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you now have available millions and millions of applications that do all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
but still we are still constrained by the little keyboard, the, the little touchpad or little speaker or little microphone, little camera mm -hmm. of our phones, right? And so that made me think what new kinds of application would be a possible mm -hmm. if we were not constrained by such a little device, but instead we could right. use potentially any device that it's around. Mm -hmm. And the example of the Nokia versus smartphone mm -hmm. uh, application made me think that the space of possible application is much larger than we have explored so far. Mm -hmm. And with our project, we would like to enable people to explore it further and right. create the new wave of applications. I, I definitely think that it's something that, I mean, it's something that you cannot easily imagine now, like going to any room and having it personalized. So it definitely, I think that's, uh, that makes sense in a sense that you're really aiming for a big goal. Yes. And yeah. And, and that's because it's so hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly the point why we don't want to be the one imagining all these right. possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. We really want to enable people mm -hmm. to create and explore these possibilities themselves and create the applications that they want. Gotcha. Well, I have actually have a very fun uh, section where we actually throw like questions very fast and you have to answer in a one set. I mean, just you have to choose one of those. So okay. I'm going to give you two options and then yes. you have to shout out your answer. All right, here we go. Cryptocurrency or conventional currency? Crypto. Crypto. Distributed or central? Distributed. I'm a little biased. On that. <laughs> <laughs> Apple or Samsung? Apple. Dogecoin or Bitcoin? Bitcoin. I'm just curious about like, why did you choose Apple? I'm just super curious. I don't know, I, I don't like Samsung that much. <laughs> uh, if, if you had said iOS or Android, mm -hmm. I might have said Android mm -hmm. because I like this idea of uh, openness and let's, let's ignore Google, let's just consider Android right. uh, as an operating system. I, I really like that it's all open source, all super transparent, you know, I mean, I guess not, not everybody knows me, mm -hmm. I, I'm one of them that mm -hmm. doesn't know, mm -hmm. but I trust that many smart people looked at the code and that it's doing what it claims to be doing. Right. And that's like the, the kind of transparency that I would like to see in many systems that we trust every day to run our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's also what I would like Omnia to be. Like it has to be super transparent, 100% mm -hmm. open source, and Got it doesn't have to hide anything from uh, to, to the people developing on top of that, the same way that Android does. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, regarding Apple or Samsung, <laughs> I just love Apple design mm -hmm. and love the way uh, they were able to make a super super sophisticated tool which mm -hmm. is the phone mm -hmm. or like the, the iPhone or mm -hmm. actually any other of their devices super super simple to use mm -hmm. uh, by anyone right yes that's totally true even as a Samsung and do you use Windows or yes Mac I unfortunately use Windows oh 
but I think my next computer will be a Mac. Got it. I, I use Windows just because I got stuck with it in the sense <laughs> that I still have my uh, computer that I bought uh, multiple years ago mm -hmm. and that has Windows just because back then I wasn't as aware of Linux and mm -hmm. uh, all the other, like how cool your computer can be or like the, the, the cool stuff that you can do with your computer mm -hmm. uh, if you have Linux. Of course, you can also do them with Windows, but usually it's just much more difficult. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess my next computer won't be Windows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the final question. You are writing master thesis, and I guess you're expecting to graduate soon. And I guess one of the future predictions you can have would be graduating masters and writing a thesis. But if you think about more in the five to 10 year time frame, what do you think you're going to be doing in that time frame? And what kind of predictions can you make for yourselves? I would definitely like to be working on Omnia in five to, of, or 10 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I realized that by working on it for basically two years, I realized that I almost cannot stop thinking about it. <laughs> so it's really something that I want to continue working on and that would really want to see out in the world. And uh, again, it's a really long-term project. So I don't know if in five years I will see ordinary people using it, mm -hmm. uh, but I would definitely want to see a community of again, developers that are, that see the potential and that are out there creating cool applications mm -hmm. that at the beginning might be used only by them and other crazy people like me that just want to see what's possible, but right. eventually uh, are going to also be used by ordinary people if, of course, this, these applications bring a benefit to them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, what about in 50 years? In 50 years? Yes. Still working on Omnia. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a long okay. process. It's, I mean, <laughs> wow. it's, it's hard to, to predict what, what will happen in 50 years. Probably the world will be so different <laughs> that Omnia will be already out of date in 50 years. Like, who knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but the plan is, I mean, it's a long term plan mm -hmm. what, what we're trying to do with Omnia. All right. Thank you, Massimo, for coming on board the podcast. And I hope I can use your service soon. Of and, course. Uh, As a developer, yes, you will have to uh, geek around a little bit. Yes. But <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> with that. Yeah. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show on whatever platform you use. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone interested in entrepreneurship, university student life, and the rising minds and technologies of the future before they change the world. <laughs>